I'm excited to be here today. I'm excited to be with you today. I'm excited that you're here. We may have never met before, but I'm excited that you're here. We're talking about Moses today. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. We're talking about Moses today for a few minutes, but I want you to understand something about Moses. Uh, first of all, if you talk to someone in the Jewish culture that's, that's in even a, a Messianic Jew that is, is all about Jesus, but they're Jewish, and they would tell you Moses is a pretty central person in their faith and their religion as a someone who, who, who really has done an amazing thing uh, for all of us, by the way. Um, but here's the great news about Moses. He's a lot like you and me. Honestly. We're going to learn that today. We're going to see that today. So what I want to ask you to do is, if, as, as we, by the way, if you're a guest with us today, we're glad you're here. And we're walking through the Bible chronologically this year. Everyone has the opportunity. We've even got some Bibles down on the, the Welcome Center. You can pick one up. Um, you don't have to make the $5 donation, but if you do, wonderful. If you don't, just pick one up. Make sure you have one. And um, we're walking through the Bible all, all year. We're reading the Bible. I've, um, you know, I hope you're reading along with us still. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to have conversations about what we're learning in Scripture during the week with folks just kind of like, hey, what do you think about that or whatever? And so this week we're going to be kind of focusing in on something that even in our worship service, um, we started when we sing our singing portion of this worship service, we were talking about that he is the great what? I am. And around the burning bush is where he said that, right? For the first time, Moses said, what, who am I going to tell them sent me? What's your name? And God said, I am that I am. And that is who God is. He is. And, and uh, a pastor once said, uh, I, I know that I, I know I am, but I know I'm not. Right? And so that's important. His name is Louis Giglio, and he said that. And um, I, I never forget him saying that because it just resonates in my mind so many times when I get that flipped. Like, I know that y'all never think it's all about you. Um, I know it's probably just me. But sometimes I get that flipped. And I think that, you know, why isn't it going the way I want it to go? Why aren't things falling in place for me? Why is, the, you know, why is this bad stuff happening? Or why is this going on? Or um, it's just about me, mine, and my. And I just want everything that I want. I want it when I want. I want all those things. And it's really not about me at all. I mean, a great thing is this, is that God loves me so much that he would chase and pursue me and give me Jesus Christ. That's incredible. Just like he did you. Okay? And he loves us and he wants this great, incredible thing called a relationship with God. What an incredible thing that we get to participate in and be a part of. And this picture right here that we see with Moses, we're going to be able to relate to and identify with today. So I want us just to, again, we're going to just read some scripture, okay? We're going to read the Bible, and it goes like this. We're going to kind of break this passage up a little bit, so just 
trek with me here. You might even jot this down if you need to. But Exodus 3, 7 through 10, and then 4, 1 through 9, and then 4, 29 through 31. And this is what it says. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, and Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. Verse four, chapter 4, verse 1. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is in your hand? It's a shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it to the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. Now that's interesting because anybody knows you don't grab a snake by the tail. Can you see Moses like rebuking God, you know, like correcting? Um, Lord, we don't do that. God said, grab it by the tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob really has appeared to you. Then the Lord said to Moses, now put out your hand inside your cloak. So he puts his hand inside the cloak. And when he took it out again, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. You've heard of leprosy. Now put your hand back into your cloak, the Lord said. So Moses put his hand back in. And when he took it out again, it was healthy as the rest of his body. The Lord said to Moses, if they do not believe you and are not convinced by the first miraculous sign, then they will be convinced by the second. And if they don't believe you or listen to you, even after these two signs, then take some of the water from the Nile River and pour it onto dry ground. When you do, the water from the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. We're going to skip down to chapter 4, verse 29 and 30 or 31. Then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt and called all the elders of Israel together. Aaron told them everything the Lord has told Moses. And Moses performed the miraculous signs as they watched. Then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron. When they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. Oh, Heavenly Father, today, we come to you, we come into this room, we gather here in this building, in our life groups, in our Sunday school classes, we, we gather for new members classes, we, we gather for fellowship and for even fun here together. We gather to worship you in all of your glory and splendor. We gather to learn from teaching of your word for correction and reproof in our own life. 
Lord, today, teach us in this story that happened so long ago, but it matters so much to us even today. We pray this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. I want to back up for just a second, and I want to, I want to take you to where this story is happening. I want to remind you of what's going on here. If you look back, uh, you can see um, in, in the chapters before there that in, in chapter 3, when we hit before that, that, that Moses is at the what? He's at the burning bush. He went off to, to find a, a runaway lamb, and he's gone through the mountainside, and he's, he's, he's walking, doing his thing, and then he observes this light, and just like any of us, he'd kind of go check out around the corner, what's so bright over? What's going on here? And then there's this bush, and it's burning, but it's not burning. You follow me? Like it's on fire, there's a flame, but the bush actually is not burning. It's not, it's not changing. It's, it's, there's this holy flame, if you will. And then God begins to speak to Moses about where he's standing. Take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. And God begins to speak to Moses. Moses didn't look back at God and say, I don't have time, I'm looking for a lost sheep. Moses didn't just totally and completely freak out. He actually paid attention to what God was doing and listened. You know, sometimes God puts a burning bush in our life. As a matter of fact, I would say that at that point, that divine moment, that kairos moment in your life, where he called you to follow him, that that was a divine moment in your life that we could even consider, you ready? A burning bush moment in your life. And many of you could go back to that day and that place and you could talk about that burning bush and what God did there. You could talk about the, the point in time and call. And, 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 and my call from God came, and I've told, shared this with you before, at RA camp, you know, around a campfire, around a fire, and, and I heard the Lord speaking to me about what we call full-time Christian ministry. I didn't know at 12 what that meant. I just know that he was calling me. And I began to walk in that process. Never perfect, but just listening, just waiting, just there. God's called you. And I just want to plant this seed in your mind. That sometimes when you're struggling where you are, sometimes where you're struggling in your thing that you're struggling in, it's not that you need a new thing. It's not that you're tired of the old thing and that you need a new thing, a new place, a new people, a new thing, a new whatever. What's actually going on is this, is that you and I need to return to the burning bush. We need to go back and we need to listen. We need to see what God has done, what he is doing, and what he wants to do in our life around that burning bush. And I would say this to you today as an aside, as a short, sweet sermon. Stop running from God. Run to him. So as we see this story unpacked, Moses is in the middle of his life and he's interrupted by this burning bush. And God begins to speak to him and the thing that he begins to tell God is how his people are hurting and that is no news to God, right? 
God already knows that you're hurting. He already knows that his people are struggling. He already knows what you're going through. You ready? Before you go through it. He knew that this was all going to happen. He knew that this was going to take place. It didn't surprise him at all. And in verse 7, he said this. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of the harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. God's people were suffering in this story. I'm going to do something. I think I know the answer. Have you ever suffered? Let me see your hand. Now, let me explain something. You're suffering. I'm not making light of it. Okay? Probably some of the worst suffering that we could have on this earth is if you lose a job and you don't know why. You lose some friendships and relationships and you don't know why. You have a loved one that's very close that dies suddenly or, or, or that is gone at all. And you really struggle through those things. You have someone who's been in your life for a long time in a sickness or illness. And you suffer through that and you struggle. You have a child that's, that's gone off the deep end and, and you struggle through that. And we have these sufferings. But I don't think any of us have been whipped because we didn't make the bricks right that we're building the Pharaoh's city with. Right? That we haven't been under constant scrutiny of torture. Now hear me. Church in America, this is very important. You and I have brothers and sisters around this world that are being persecuted like that. There is right now a persecuted church. And it's not a joke. And we have brothers and sisters in Christ that will never meet on this earth, that will probably meet in heaven, that have been tortured, even to the point of killed, for the sake of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we need to understand that this idea of suffering that we have, honestly, is not real suffering compared to what a lot of people struggle with. Now, the caveat is this. Sometimes our suffering takes us off Christ. That's where we got to get that hope back. We got to keep our eyes back because once you lose your hope, you're in big trouble. So don't lose your hope. This story is a story of hope, by the way. Keep your eyes on the Lord. And let me say this. If you're struggling to the point where you need help with that, and you don't reach out, to someone like me or to someone that's a trusted mentor or friend that you know. I'm just going to say it just as point blank as I can. It's on you. I have connections and relationships with Christian counselors and people that I can connect you with. There are people in this room that I've done that with. I've even gone myself. Because it can help you refocus and make sure you put your eyes on the main thing, which is Jesus Christ. So don't just blow that off. Don't just say, well, I got this. I'll figure it out. If you need help, please reach out. The people were suffering. The people were suffering. And I think I would be amiss right now if I just didn't do something with our church. I want you to join me in prayer. I want you to just raise your right hand up with me in agreement. 
And let's pray for the persecuted church around this world right now. Oh, Heavenly Father, Father God, you have the eyes that sometimes we just hear about things on, on, on the news or uh, something passes by, but you know the people that are running into their home and into their basements and into their, their, their secret places to literally open their Bibles. You know where people are lining up to be murdered and killed for their faith today. This persecution, because we're your children, is a real thing around our world today. And we lift up the persecuted church right now, God. We ask the Holy Spirit to protect and intervene so that those folks' voices is loud for the cause of the kingdom of God and following Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for their families. We pray for those that are in the, in, in the literal spiritual warfare with this right now. We know that in the end, you are the victor. We know that. We trust that. But God, there are people struggling with these things and suffering right now. And we ask you to do just what you did in this story in Exodus with your people. We love you and trust you. And again, lift them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. God's people were suffering. God's people are suffering. So what does God do? I'm going to tell you what God does. He does this over and over again. I'm not going to proof text it in Scripture, but I could. You can this week. You can go through and see where the Lord comes down. This is important. The Lord just doesn't come. The Lord just doesn't show up. The Lord comes down. Verse 8. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. I have come down. That is critically important. Because God the Father continually comes down and he lifts us up. That's what he does. Over and over and over again, it's a picture of this. And this is why we need to know this is so important. He is God. Okay? In an image that we can have, He is up. We are down. He comes down and He picks us up. Every single time. Because that's who He is. The character of God is a God that loves his children so much that he comes down. You know, there's so much in the Lord's prayer. You think about it. You think about the different things that's there. Obviously, the worship part, who God is in his character. He's amazing. Hallowed be your name. The, the part that God is, desires for his kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. Then you have some amazing things that happens right after that. You have this idea of provision that he provides for us. You have guidance. You have protection. You have forgiveness. All of these things are in the Lord's prayer that he does for us. But the, the, the big mental image is that he comes down and he lifts us up. Over and over in scripture it says those words. I love asking people, where does Jesus live? Because the number one answer is, where does Jesus live? 
Okay, I'm hearing some notes. That's good. We're teaching here. That's good. I hear in your hearts and heaven and all these things. We know right now, if Jesus had an address, it would be the throne room of God. Okay? Because he is on the right hand of the Father right now. One day, God's going to say what? Go where? Go get your bride where? Down, right? So he's going to come down and he's going to lift us up again. He's going to do what he does. Y'all, it's over and over and over and the mental image is the same because God is on the throne and Jesus is on the throne right there with him. Thank God for God, right? Because he gives us God, the Holy Spirit, right here with us. Amen, hallelujah. The Holy Spirit comforts us, guides us, protects us. Anybody ever, you think you've been protected by God? Man, look. Rusty just said, hey, we need to grab a cup of coffee. Come and grab a cup of coffee and let's share God's stories. Amen? Let's just share stories about how God showed up. Man, I'm going to tell you what. I could tell you stories that make you cry. You could too. Because you see God showing up in these incredible ways. The Lord comes down. Not only does the Lord come down, He does something else, which is really interesting because I don't know if I was God if I would do this. Y'all ever play that game? Well, if I was God, I would... No, I wouldn't do that. No. Maybe I would. Watch this. In verse 9 through 10. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. The Lord sent Moses. The Lord sends you. The Lord sends me. The Lord wants us doing his work, his call, his burning bush moment in our life, wherever he tells us to go and be and do. I've seen people that are happy, go lucky in a world like this, in a church like this. They're doing their thing. I know a successful businessman growing up in my home church, very successful. Family, three kids. God really commands this guy, I need you to do something. I need you to change everything in your life. He sells his home in our neighborhood. He takes his family and they move down to New Orleans Seminary. And now he's a pastor. Been one for years and years and years. But it didn't start out that way. I even know a guy, his name is Charles. He went through seminary. He went through all those things. He was a missionary in Spain. He was a pastor. He was a youth minister. He was all these things. He was a pastor in Mississippi. And God said, I want you to stop being a pastor. I want you, you ready for this? Master's degree, all this stuff. He told Charles and his wife, I want you to go back to junior college and become an electrician. And my brother Charles changed everything in his life to be obedient to God. And God has blessed every day of his life. I didn't say the suffering was gone. I didn't say it was easy. I didn't say there weren't hard, difficult, trying things in his life. I said he was obedient and God has blessed that. He has blessed his days. Charles says that he has more freedom to share the gospel. And it's absolutely amazing how people in this this big corporation he works at and keeps all the stuff going on with electricity. 
All the stuff he does that people just in droves come to him. Every single day they sit down and have that cup of coffee and he shares Jesus with them. The point is really, really simple. Whatever God tells you, you obey it and you do it. And don't give me, hey, I don't know what God's doing. I don't have to hear. Listen, there are some simple ways you can hear God. Now, these are going to sound real churchy when I say them. Greg, you ready for this? Two Gregs right there together. That's good. Greg squared, y'all ready for this? Here we go. This, y'all really. Three things. Pray. Read the Bible. You ready? Write it down. If you pray and you read the Bible, or you can flip, the, you can flip it. Read the Bible and pray. Either one. You read the Bible, you pray, you write it down, you will hear from God. Because that is a promise in His Scripture. Go read Habakkuk chapter 2. He will speak to you. You write it down, hear what He says, and obey it. Do what He says. Because He wants to send you specifically, uniquely, where you are for what you're doing. He has wired and created you for just that type of service. But what do we do? Verse 1 in chapter 4. But Moses protested. See this next word? Again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord has never appeared to you? I think it's five times right there. Four or five times that Moses says. What are you talking about? Me? Not me. Certainly not me. God, you don't understand. I've got da, 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 all these reasons why I can't serve you. All these reasons why I can't lead those people. I can't go talk to Pharaoh. I can't do it. I'm not slick enough. I'm not good enough. My words don't come out right. How many excuses have you given God? How many times have you heard from God? You knew you did, and you just blew it off. You said, no, I can't do that, Lord. Moses tries to get out of it. Every, you know, and some people say things like, God is so forgiving. Look, he turned him down. Like, like he was turning him down five times and all this kind of stuff. Let me tell you what. If Moses hadn't had a good woman, what would have happened? Somebody read the story, right? His good woman was Zipporah. And she literally saved his life from who? From God because God was going to kill him. God was at the point of, I've had enough with you, man. Not that any of us men could relate to being stubborn or set in our ways. But if it wasn't for his wife, he would have died and the story would have changed and somebody else would have been the character. Stop protesting with excuses Start being obedient to what he's calling you to do. Then God gives signs, and you know what those signs are? They're crazy. They're the signs of the snake and the staff. They're the signs of the leprosy and the healing. And then the signs of the blood and the Nile. All these signs happen. All these things happen. And you remember what Pharaoh did. He got his, his, his witchcraft sorcerers and all to try to mimic God's ways and everything, you know. That never seemed to phase God, did it? 
God just kept doing God stuff, didn't he? God knew what was going to happen in advance. God wasn't trying to change Pharaoh's heart with that message, with those signs. He was trying to get the attention of his people. He was trying to get his own children to pay attention to the Father. So when we do, when we act out, when we walk in what the Lord is telling us to do, this is what happens. In verse 29 and 31, we see that Moses' obedience impacts the people. Then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt and called all the elders of Israel together. Aaron told them everything the Lord has told Moses. Moses performed the miraculous signs as they watched. Then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. You know, this idea of bowing down in worship is not very Baptist. You know that, right? Like, that's just not. I've been Baptist all my life, and, and, and I can tell you on a handful of times I've seen people bowing down. I can only tell you one or two times where I've seen people. Now, now you're going to think this is crazy that, that we can do this in a worship service, but lay prostrate on the floor. Like in total awe of who God is. Do you realize that according to what posture in the scripture, that laying prostrate on the floor is one of the most godly things we can do? Because it signifies that it's just about him. Now, I'm not telling you that you need to go out and try to do that. What I'm telling you is, if you need to be moved in the spirit where the first thing you drop on your knees, then do it. You be obedient to who God is. You know, Ricky's talked a lot about freedom and worship in this room. When we corporately worship together, we're singing songs together, we're praying together, we're having these moments of quiet uh, meditation together, all of those things. I want you to hear from your pastor, you respond to God how he tells you to, according to his word. Does that make sense? Are you with me? That means if you start doing something that's not according to his word, then we need to talk about that. Because what we talked about was prayer scripture and writing it down you can't make up the rules for any of this you have to be completely obedient to what God is telling us whether it's in your worship or your lifestyle do you understand that we have a serious problem with the church in America because there are many churches making up their own rules right now I don't want you to misunderstand my heart I don't hate them. My heart is broken for them. I feel so concerned about our churches that are making up their own extra biblical rules, regulations, and things to do or not do, or things to blow off or, or, or just make convenient for their people. There are so many things I could give you examples of but there are things we cannot do according to God's word if we want to live in his blessing. 
Why? Because his name is I am and yours is I am not. It's that simple. So what we do is this. You may need to go back to the burning bush today. You may need to go back to that place or that time or that thing. This altar may represent that and you want to come down and pray and you just want to say, God, do whatever you want. I need to, be, I need to revisit that burning bush because I need to hear that call again. And then you be obedient to it. God will open doors. He will start communication. He will have, there will be conversation in your workplace you never thought would be there. There'll be some incredible things that happen. But you have to be willing and obedient to live out the call God's put in your life. Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, as you continue to take us through this incredible journey, you show us things that we need to know. You show us things that will impact us in the days ahead. But today is one of those days, it's kind of like going to practice. Today's one of those days to go back to the burning bush, to get it right over and over again so that we're in the middle of the, the folks that you want us to impact. Literally, our obedience will impact them. God, we thank you for coming down and lifting us up. We thank you for saving us. We thank you for your love. We want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.